The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callahan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. Sometimes there are things that you want to use and you kind of have to buy them, but you probably aren't going to use them that much, but there's no other way to get them. Sometimes you don't have a mate you can borrow a tent off. Or there is a stand-up paddleboard you are really only going to use three times. Or an Abflex. Maybe you should borrow one for a while to make sure you're really going to use it. But where do you borrow it from? And what if you already have the stand-up paddleboard and it's sitting in your garage making you feel guilty? Wouldn't it be great if there was a service where you could either make money by lending out the stuff you own and hardly use, or save money by borrowing things from people nearby? You could probably see where this is going. There is one. Mutu began in Christchurch with the goal of helping people be able to get access to almost anything that they need by borrowing as opposed to buying. It's now grown to be nationwide and is helping counter waste that's a lot less single-use tents going to landfill and it's helped to create income, sharing economy activity and new connections. To talk the journey, the idea that started it and where it's going, CEO and founder Toby Skilton joins us by Zoom now from Christchurch. Kia ora, thank you for joining us. Kia ora, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Hey, so tell us a little bit about what you were up to and how you came across this idea. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I mean, like many Kiwis, um, I finished up at university and decided to sort of set off on a bit of an OE. So my partner, Elise, and I um, studied down in Otago for around five years. Um, I did a Bachelor of Commerce and she studied Nutrition. Um, we then decided that we we're going to travel for about a year um, and going to sort of just instead of setting up and finding a base in any one place, we just wanted to do two or three days or up to a week um, in different cities and just keep kind of going on the move. So, I mean, when you're traveling, getting access to the things you need, whether it be bikes or tents, kayaks, surfboards, golf clubs, it's all pretty unpractical to take our own stuff with us. Um, and we found that by sort of either going to like a traditional hire shop or, or having to purchase things when we we're there, so it's incredibly expensive, it's time consuming and you ultimately either end up having to kind of leave stuff that you've purchased, um, which is not great for the environment or for your back pocket um, or hiring, you found yourself just filling out loads of paperwork, having to give away our passports, which is also kind of rule number one of what not to do when you're traveling. Um, so we ended up using a platform 
uh, called Couchsurfer. So basically, um, for those who don't know what the platform is, the name sums it up pretty well. You, you end up sort of surfing from couch to couch. So you stay with locals um, all throughout the world and you sort of, if you're lucky, you'll get a, a bed. But generally you are just on like a fold-out couch um, and it's free, so no money exchanges hands. And where the real kind of value comes is from getting to meet, I guess, uh, people from different cultures and from people all over the world and kind of sharing your experiences. And um, for us, it was an awesome way, I guess, to, to be able to travel for you know a year um, on an incredibly small budget um, and to meet some pretty incredible people one of the first things we noticed is that you know the homes that we were staying in uh, these amazing people had all of the stuff we wanted so they had garages filled with the kayaks and bikes and tents and and they had a great deal of joy in us taking this gear out and that's sort of for me where that real the kind of penny dropped or the light bulb moment happened is where I started to then uh, you know think back to you know mum and dad's garage and you know I'm one of seven siblings and we sort of throughout I guess growing up have managed to accumulate every piece of outdoor gear on the planet um dad tends to own every piece of um machinery or tools that have probably ever been invented so you know, our house <laughs> is pretty filled with stuff that uh, is generally hardly used you know once or twice a year um, and that's where I sort of thought, you know, it'd be amazing for people like myself, either visiting a new city or um, looking to get access for something, but doesn't, don't want to take on ownership. You know, that'd be a pretty incredible platform. Um, and yeah, so I guess we've sort of seen the, the success of players like Airbnb. Um, and that's where the sort of idea came is, you know, a, a platform where you could get access to almost anything that you need by borrowing as opposed to buying would be a pretty incredible platform to have in New Zealand. So that's kind of where the, the idea came from. Um, which has been, yeah, it was a pretty exciting way to have it, traveling the world and I guess trying to solve my own problem, really. And when you came back, what steps did you take? Because I'll bet there's lots of people, you know, when you're traveling and when you're in new places, like you do have lots of ideas about, wow, this could be cool or that could be cool. But most of the time you kind of come back to, to life and get back into your normal rut and, and don't go about starting new things. How did you kind of keep pursuing it and keep building out the idea and what, what about it made you know that it was worth pushing on with <laughs> yeah Simon if I'm being honest I'm shocking I am um, my phone is just this pool of um, it's almost like an idea graveyard I find myself I wake <laughs> up in the middle of the night um, and I'll have this what I think is a genius idea and I'll jot down pages and pages of notes um, before sort of reading it in the morning and trying to decipher what I wrote but essentially with this one um, there was sort of a couple of key moments I sort of found myself having the idea quite early on in our travels and then I guess it was a case of um, getting into different situations where it'd be like oh man you know that idea I had for this platform we didn't know that it'd be called Mutu at the time um, but you know oh this would have been so handy and it just it really started to come up and I guess for me, um, the problem with uh, traveling for that amount of time is, you know, you come back to New Zealand with, you know, little or no money. So jumping into a venture, um, you know, into startup world where, you know, um, cash is definitely something we're not going to be rich with early on, it was tough. So I sort of, I did have to get a, a full-time job. Um, and unfortunately that meant for me that I guess the idea was kind of relatively parked uh, momentarily. Um, I guess a, a challenge I found is that and that's probably something a lot of people have is it's one thing to come up with the idea I guess it's having the kind of um, whether it's bravery or confidence to kind of take that idea off the notes section on your phone and, and to really actually try and turn it into a viable business 
Um, so I was working in the tourism industry for a company called Top Deck and I had a, an amazing job there. I was um, a business development manager, sort of traveling all around the country and um, working with different agencies um, like Flight Center, House of Travel, Hello World, and helping engage with their travel agents to sell youth travel. So awesome job. Um, and I found that sort of on the side, you know, every other waking hour I had was spent kind of fleshing out what Mutu could ultimately become, doing sort of market research, even talking to the travel agents. Because um, for them, you know, they're sending people all over the world and also all over the country and sort of engaging with them saying, you know, could you, I guess, help do a bit of market research and see if some of your customers would be interested in using, you know, a platform like this? And so that was really motivating. Um, I had then sort of created, I guess, what was um, an outline or a bit of a pathway to, I guess, taking this idea and um, securing a team and, and starting to build a bit of a product. So what I did, and I think this is probably a slightly unique approach for, for some startups, but I went on a platform uh, it's a Kiwi platform called Appoint Better Boards and generally it's a space where um, organisations like charities, um, even large organisations who are looking to fill governance positions, so getting directors, trustees, things like that, they'll just make a post saying they're seeking X kind of person um, and then that goes out to a pool of about 20,000 sort of industry professionals here in New Zealand. Um, so I took a bit of a different approach. Um, I posted I've got this startup idea um, and I pretty much outlined the kind of people I was looking for. So for me, I sort of had this mindset that to start um, and scale and run any successful company, you're going to kind of need these core group of people. So I knew we'd need someone sort of with passion around finance and sustainability, needing someone who's, you know, expert marketer. Um, someone who can sort of be really customer focused um, and have that kind of customer relationship management skills. For us, we're a tech company, so we're going to need a developer. Um, what we'll, we're also we're going to have a lot of legal exposure, so needed sort of a legal expert. Um, and again, looking for then sort of like a advisory or sort of um, kind of partnerships manager. So that's I kind of structured out what I might need to surround myself with to kind of take this idea and and kind of scale it to hopefully be a household name. Um, went out on better boards and was and was blown away. You know, it's about 600 bucks to make a post. Um, and I had about 50 people apply, which was a, a challenge in itself. Um, for me, never, never had a day in recruitment in my life. So sort of stuck with the challenge of having 50 incredible people kind of all putting their hands up to kind of jump on this journey with me um, and see what we could do with Mutu. So yeah, was able to, to nail it back to a team of seven in total, uh, including myself, which was pretty amazing. Um, and began kind of working on that journey, sort of, all, so all of us had full-time jobs um, and we all just worked on, on Mutu, you know, sort of 10 to 15 hours per week in any spare time we had. Um, the challenge, or I guess where it's been a blessing in disguise for me, it, it was COVID. So I unfortunately was um, a COVID casualty. So with Top Deck um, being in the tourism industry, you know, incredible tough space to be in uh, for anyone in that uh, industry at the moment. Um, and yeah, so found myself being made redundant. But I guess for me, that was um, probably the push I needed to, to move on to this full time and to, to really take it seriously. So I was quite lucky that I'd kind of built a lot of the backbones, um, secured an awesome team and got started on building this product Um so yeah, that's a bit of a kind of, I guess, the the real step that I took and, and why I sort of decided to push forward with the idea um, and surround myself with some pretty amazing people. Yeah, what an amazing path to build out that governance before there's even a product and, and just when there is that big um, vision. And there's that great expression, if you want uh, 
um, money, ask for advice. If you want advice, ask for money. So you probably ended up with like you know the the value of of heaps of money by getting these um, people involved so early on. How, how how did you go about actually getting the product up and out as a marketplace, which is what this is, where you have to have you know a bunch of listings on one side and a bunch of people to do the buying or borrowing in this case on the other side. They're such a chicken and egg thing to build, aren't they? Because you need to have lots of listings to get lots of people along, but you don't get lots of people putting listings up unless there's lots of people to look at stuff. How do you solve that big problem? Oh, I know. The, the challenge of a marketplace is one that we know from day dot we knew was going to be an uphill battle. And I guess we're, the, the beauty of it is there is um, there are marketplaces now for literally almost anything. So there's a heap of data out there around kind of um, what works, what doesn't. And again, they're all sort of situational. Um, for us because our marketplace idea was quite novel and quite niche um, we had to do sort of as much research as we can that was going to be specific to our idea Um, one thing we found you talk about the chicken and the egg side of things and and, and it's building liquidity we became like incredibly uh, supply focused early on Um, and we also sort of did a bit of geofencing so um, our, our team, so a team of seven, we're scattered all over the country. We've got presence in Christchurch, Wellington, Auckland um, and the Waikato area. But for us, we thought, you know, given I was based uh, in Christchurch and I was going to be full time and kind of driving this thing, um, it was best to start here. There's also an incredible um, scene in Christchurch around uh, in the startup scene, but also around sustainability and quite a few um, pretty exciting sustainability initiatives. So it just it made a lot of sense to, to get things going here. So basically what we did... Um, is a very very bootstrapped tactics but it was pretty much like door-to-door sales we we sort of set up a landing page we started building i guess um at least some form of um, basic product that users could kind of get an idea of how it would work and what the benefits were and for us we had two real key messages for our um, early adopters especially who are going to be what we'd call our lenders Um, and that is one you know being able to make money essentially on assets that are just sitting in your garage collecting dust which is for a lot of people especially with COVID was quite an exciting proposition Um, and two really trying to hit home with the sustainability factor you know giving your items a sort of second chance and um, a new thing of life and that worked really well for us so early on we we got around 2,000 people um, on board that's and pre-launch so pre um, going live with the product we just had a landing page essentially getting um, their interest and and making sure that they were able to list a few items on there um, ahead of time. So before we actually went live, I guess what we call publicly, we had about a thousand or I think 1200 items um, sitting on the platform. So that was a case of when we knew that when we did go live and we really started to then hone in on the demand side, that kind of supply was there. So sort of, I guess, solving that chicken and the egg, at least initially, because with a platform like ours and actually any marketplace, you know, there could be nothing worse than someone like yourself, Simon, you're down here in Christchurch and you want to get a drill to do, um, you know, to drill a hole in the wall and you have to drive 45 minutes to go and pick it up. You know, it's not very convenient. Um, and although there's the sustainability benefits, things like that, you know, the cost of actually and the time it takes, it's just not worth it. Um, so we've got to make sure, I guess, that, you know, if you do want that drill, ideally you could like walk a couple of doors down the street and grab it um, or just somewhere nearby. So that's what we're really focusing on is is making sure we can build liquidity. And we hope that um, our supply is really going to continue to drive the demand. You know, if someone like yourself has listed, I don't know, five items or 10 items, um, you know, you're incentivized to then kind of promote and engage with people to to really get them to come and you know rent them from you because you can make some money out of it. 
And you can kind of see the the Facebook posts that someone might put up, like, "Hey, come rent my drill." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I've, I've I've posted it on this new service. You should check it out. And the drill that you mentioned is such a great example. As I saw some kind of I I don't remember the exact number, but some kind of stat that you know most drills are used for like five minutes in their entire life, and you know people just like to go to a Bunnings and buy one and have one in the garage, but you'd be far better off paying five bucks to borrow one every now and again than paying 150 bucks to set yourself up with a uh, gold-plated kit. Oh, you're exactly right. I think to, the drill has been like an iconic um, kind of go-to poster item for the share economy because you are right. It's, you know, drills get used for literally minutes um, for their whole life. They make their way to landfill. Um, and I guess if you sort of keep using the drill example, no one actually wants to own a drill. You, you do you do literally just want a hole in the wall at any one time. And I think that can be applied to any item is you don't actually want to own necessarily the item. You just want that sort of service or experience that the item provides. Um, and a platform like ours essentially it allows you to get access to that service experience without having to take on ownership. So, yeah, yeah. It, it does become an exciting proposition. And, and it's quite a mint little solve as well, because if you are the kind of person that just derives a bit of happiness by having a garage full of things that, you know, you could use if you ever need to use one, then you can extra justify the investment in the drill. Because you're like, well, if I rent it out every now and again, it's, uh, you know, it's okay. You've got it in one. There's this amazing user. I won't mention um, his or her name, but it's um, based in Auckland, and essentially they just put on their fishing kayak. And, and I know these things can cost you know anywhere from sort of two and a half grand up to sort of ten grand. I think they can even be more expensive. And they they sort of a bit hesitant initially to chuck this thing on, and sort of gave it a go. And I think it's on there for like thirty five dollars a day. Um, it comes with a couple of rods. It's got a fish finder, life jackets, all the kit you need. Um, and this user now is sort of getting close to around a thousand dollars since sort of launching in September. Um, so I mean, for this user, they've now sort of got in touch and they're exploring buying a couple of other fishing kayaks and sort of, in a way, kind of building out their own little rental business from the garage. You know, he's sort of sitting there thinking, what else could I be lending out to make money on? Um, which is awesome, you know, enabling Kiwis to kind of get that sort of um, benefit on an, on something that was deemed as kind of like a liability for a while. Yeah, and how does that work? Because I imagine things like Airbnb have really softened up and and made people kind of, um, you you know, a bit more comfortable with the idea of strangers using your stuff and it's not going to be the end of the world. But let's say it is your fishing kayak. It's probably a bit of your, your pride and joy and you probably don't want someone to scratch it or bang it up. How do you create um, things inside your service to give people comfort? Yeah, that has been, for us, that was the massive challenge from day dot is not only how do we build, I guess, trust in the platform, but sort of build a community where people are comfortable in the idea of sharing their stuff with essentially strangers. Um, Because I know at some of our early market research, you know, we're talking to people who actually already do kind of lend things like their trailer or a chainsaw or stuff like that, just to kind of their close little circle. It might be to a brother-in-law or to the neighbour and stuff like that. And, you know, often they were sort of saying that, you know, even with those kind of relationships there was still that kind of risk or or nervousness that the item could come back damaged or broken Um, so for us we've sort of gone about a three-step approach so the first one is that we verify everyone so everyone who's sort of part of the Mutu community um, has been verified by us so that provides I guess like an initial um, point of reassurance for a user 
Um, the second one, which uh, most platforms, whether it be a marketplace or just any sort of general platform nowadays has is a star ratings and review system. So sort of pre-engaging with any type of user, um, you're able to check on sort of past experiences um, and things like that. But the real sort of crux of it, which has given our lenders, I guess, the most confidence is we've we've got something called the Mutu Guarantee. So essentially that protects um, a lender's item up to the value of $1,500. So if something gets damaged, broken or stolen, um, we can repair or replace that item. So so we are very fortunate. We haven't had to uh, have any claims or disputes or anything like that um, yet, which is amazing because I think our um, our early adopters and, and some of the market research has shown that people generally are really good with, with stuff and often I guess where the um, – you know where, where this might pop up and the guarantee will come into place is you know sometimes things do just break you know a lawnmower might be on its last legs or you know something on a bike might snap and, and sometimes that can't be avoided but that's where something like the guarantee um, is there to kind of give those lenders that reassurance. Kia ora, I'm Jane, podcast manager here at The Spinoff. I'm just dropping in to recommend subscribing to The Spinoff Rec Room. It's our weekly newsletter delivered to inboxes every Wednesday and it's packed full of all our best recommendations. There's new things to watch, listen to, read, play, eat, drink or make your life that little bit better in some other way. Subscribe now at the newsletter section of thespinoff.co.nz or head over to thespinoffrecroom.substack.com to have a sneak peek first. Oh wow, and... How's it going? Like, when when was it launched in Christchurch, and when did it go and expand to new places? Where where can you where can you access it now? Yeah, so it's been going really really well. So we launched in Christchurch um, on September twelfth um, last year, so twenty twenty. Um, and it was amazing. Like I said, we had that kind of um, base of early adopters that were already ready to use the platform. And we sort of started to do a bit of a, I guess, a Christchurch-based rollout. What sort of we noticed really quickly is um, we had users kind of just organically. So if, I guess that's the beauty of our team of 5 million, right, is that um, it doesn't take long for something like this to make its way from Christchurch all the way up to the, you know, the top of the North Island. And we had users getting in touch from, you know, um, Whangarei and from, you know, places like Wanaka and the have plenty and sort of saying hey look you know we're super keen to have this platform here you know why is it being restricted to Christchurch so I guess the the tricky thing we found is that you know we knew and this is looping back to your earlier comments on the chicken and the egg we knew that to have like an amazing uh, user experience we needed you know an item base and a user base in a region before kind of doing a I guess like a a proper rollout or, or really promoting that the platform's there but by limiting people to downloading it, we're almost kind of getting um, some kind of confused and frustrated users. And we didn't want to be turning people away um, given that our sort of, you know, marketing budget was incredibly small and a lot of it was organic. So we did uh, open it up, I guess you'd call nationwide, um, probably like mid-October. And so allowed anyone in the country to be able to download. And we just had to be quite cautious with our user comms, just saying to, you know, some of those uh, early adopters popping up all over the country that, you know, there probably isn't going to be many items in your area, but we are working really hard. Um, So at the moment, we're sort of sitting on around 10,000 users. Um, Bulk of them are here in Christchurch. um, And that has been... Uh, all organic and just from, from word of mouth, which has been great. Um, we have been able to raise a bit of capital recently, which has been awesome. So that's sort of allowing us now to to really create like a targeted um, and replicatable rollout plan. Um, and now we're just looking to go city by city. And for us, it's the beauty of opening up. It's kind of in October as we've started to find these little pockets. And for us, that kind of gives us at least sort of the um, the signals that, you know, certain areas should be next. So 
areas like uh, the Bay of Plenty. So Tauranga has got like quite a nice little uh, Bluetooth community growing there, which is awesome. Um, there's a bit of a presence growing in Nelson, which has been awesome to see. Um, Wellington is also uh, well and truly on the rise, and and even Auckland is starting to get a, a bunch of items listed. So we've got this bit of, I guess you call it like a hit list or a target list, um, and we're really excited. I think for us to be able to to take what we've learned in Christchurch, um, scars included, and, and sort of build something out that's I guess a bit more um, robust and targeted for other areas is, is going to be awesome. What kind of items are you finding are being borrowed the most? <laughs> now, this is a funny one. I get asked this a lot, and we often joke that Mutu could actually be a trailer rental platform. Um, <laughs> for, honestly, I think, and it, I mean, when you sort of dive into it a bit deeper, it does make sense, right? As you know, trailers are big, they're clunky, they're expensive to own, and it's actually something you kind of need, like, once every couple of weeks or once a month, you know, if you've got green waste or if you just want to do a bit of a clean out or you're moving something from A to B, trailers are incredibly handy. Um, especially now we've noticed, you know, no one can travel and people are looking to really get out and explore New Zealand. And we found people picking up trailers on Mutu just to take, you know, more stuff than the car could fit, you know, just going on that classic Kiwi roadie and being able to get a trailer for, you know, there's trailers on there for $15 a day. So it becomes an incredibly affordable way to, to lug around a whole bunch of stuff um, in New Zealand or even just to get through the day-to-day tasks. But for us, um, yeah, so trailers are well and truly number one. The other big sort of key category for us is outdoor and sport, which, I mean, it does make a lot of sense given it's um, we sort of launched heading into summer, but things like kayaks, paddleboards, surfboards, bikes, tents, um, all incredibly popular. There's a bunch of cameras and drones that have been rented. Um, and then we see just a bunch of kind of, I guess, uh, practical items, so water blasters, weed eaters, lawn mowers, um, roof boxes, I guess things that um, maybe you take for granted that, you know, so, I mean, for us, we've always had a lawn mower and a water blaster and a weed eater at home, but you do realise that there's a lot of people, it could be first home buyers, you know, young families, all sorts of stuff who, you know, haven't got access to that sort of thing. And, and a platform like ours enables people to, I guess, sustainably um, and sort of financially friendly get access to this platform too. Yeah, and if you're an Anne, apartment uh, or, or some kind of terraced house situation with a, a small square of, of yard, you don't need a mower the whole time. You don't need a, um, a, a you know, it, it's such a kind of step towards this sharing economy idea in terms of the cars that you share or, um, you, you know, Airbnb being a place rather than trying to have a, a, a rental property. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that we've noticed as well is, you know, there's a huge movement for people to to really declutter. Um, we've noticed, I guess, there's that tiny home movement. You mentioned like the apartment life. People really are sort of looking at ways to kind of live more minimalistically um, and to kind of downsize a wee bit. And I think um, one of our sort of key things that we've noticed is our kind of like our mums and dads style users. You know, once the kids have kind of left the nest. You know, they start to look at ways that they can sort of really, I guess, declutter or downsize the you know amount of stuff they own. And I think for us, it is incredibly timely. You know, people are becoming more conscious of the things they consume, and I guess their individual impact, um, you know, on the environment that can have. And um, for us, yeah, we're, we're just really fortunate to be able to, I guess, provide a, a really easy solution um, to kind of assist with that process. And who are your users? As you know, if it is a kind of sustainability thing, you, you, you know, you might get a kind of group. Or if it is people who have garages full of stuff, they could be a very different group. <laughs> and and maybe it's like something like Trade Me, which showed that you know people of all ages and you know everyone in the country um, m- might have a relationship with Trade Me. 
yeah honestly this for us was was almost like comedic so at the start with that you know like i said we've got this amazing team of seven we spent a whole bunch of time doing sort of market research and building i guess what you could only call like a a customer or a user persona and like all good assumptions they were kind of almost a bit of a mockery so we, we couldn't probably be more wrong with a lot of them um I guess we thought there was going to be sort of two classes of users. We would have our lenders, which are generally what you mentioned, like mums and dads, um, people, you know, people who do just have garages filled with stuff. Um, and then our renters, which we thought would be kind of, you know, sustainability enthusiasts, Gen Z, millennial, um, you know, students, people who I guess maybe had limited access to space, limited access to finance. Um, and looking to still kind of get out there and do as much as they could. But in reality, the users are very far from being separate. So it's much to the kind of trade me example is that, you know, there's a there's a space for Mutu in kind of every Kiwi household. Um, and we find that a lot of our users are a mixture of both. They both sort of list things to lend um, and they also kind of, you know, rent things as well. And we've, I guess we find is if you use... Um, Let's use a trailer as an example and you, you book your trailer for, for five days and it costs you, you know, $100. And $100. Um, there's that kind of motivation that, right, well, how am I going to pay for this trailer? Maybe I chuck my own items up um, and sort of make a bit of money to kind of write off the debt that I've just incurred. So, yeah, people are, of all kind of walks of life have been using this platform, which for us has just been so good to see. Um, and it's about it's really opened our eyes to the true potential you know there's um, mums and dads looking to kind of utilize uh, baby equipment you know things that there's sort of um, any kind of baby gear there's creative professionals trying to get utilization out of expensive camera kit um, clothing you know it just it truly it, it could be used for anyone um, which for us is good and bad it's hard to kind of target um, everyone and anyone but it's um it's, it's yeah it's just really promising and it must be cool to see those ripples. Like you say, when someone rents something and then they go, oh, I'd better put something up myself to um, to offset what I've just spent. Yeah, no, it's um, it's amazing. It's We've seen, um, I guess, what I, I can only call kind of like micro-entrepreneurs starting to kind of pop up. And, you know, I mentioned the example before of the, the Auckland-based user looking to buy new things to to generate and I think for to see I guess the true um, potential of people now being able to kind of make money out of idle assets it's amazing and I think we will learn as the platform grows you know there's more and more and more opportunities here to um, to, yeah, to, to jump into new categories and things like that so, I think you, I think you, you can hear a dog, we, uh, we in the dog <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that, that that's beautiful. Let's let's just keep that in. That's that's twenty twenty. That's the age of Zoom. Is, um, I know. I was trying to sort of talk over it, but it's hard when it's a yappy wee uh, miniature poodle. That's good. That's beautiful. We get to see uh, each other's spare rooms, meet each other's kids, their dogs. It's bring your whole self to the world. Uh, and um and 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 for you personally, Toby, like. How's it been for you as, um, you know, coming with obviously a person who has lots of ideas and, and really passionate about this um, and having built this program, this, this this platform out and taking it nationwide and having this momentum? Um, yeah, how, how have you found it and what kind of things have you had to um, to, to kind of upskill on and build and, and what's the journey? Yeah, like? it's... Um, it's... <sighs> 
But if I'm being perfectly honest, it's been actually quite a bit of a roller coaster. I think um, in the early days, you know, building a platform out with you know some incredible people around me, it was sort of a huge amount of excitement. There were nerves. There were sort of times where I guess, and I actually learned there, there is kind of a term for it um, called imposter syndrome. You know, so for me, um, sort of coming in as like a, a recent graduate with no real kind of business experience or any big wins that I could kind of um, brag about, I sort of sat there and thought, you know. Why are these amazing people going to, you know, want to follow my vision? I mean, yes, I've got the idea and stuff like that, but you know, it's then a completely different thing to, I guess, be leading a team of of industry professionals um, who have had, you know, some incredible wins themselves. So that was definitely something I had to kind of, um, yeah, really get through myself. And there's an incredible kind of network in New Zealand of, I guess, that I could call a startup community. I mean. Um, there's a few examples. There's a guy called Eric from Mevo who's just, for me, just been an amazing mentor. They're a bit further on the journey. So being able to kind of tap into to those sorts of people who have kind of been and, and done, I guess, what I'm trying to do and, and to, to be told that, hey, the roller coaster is normal um, and that, you know, it's not all going to be um, smooth sailing and that there are tough times. But it's about, I guess, um, yeah, what, what really does motivate me is just the bigger picture. I mean, we've got, um, you may, or you probably would have seen you know the the climate commission report that's recently come out um you know we've got some pretty big goals and, and a pretty big uh, challenge ahead and it's it's up to our team of five million of course our, you know a team globally with the world to to really start to change the way not only we consume but just the way we i guess we view um climate change and some of these you know kind of scarier topics so yeah, for, for me, what I am really, really fortunate is I guess I'm an expert in nothing at the moment and, and being able to learn and upskill um, from that team that I've surrounded myself with is invaluable. You know, I sort of find myself sitting in on, on technical calls with, you know, solutions architects and things like that and trying to, you know, I guess fake it till I make it and, um, you know, nod my head and smile a lot and start to learn, you know, things about coding and learning legal things around exposure and insurance and financial sustainability marketing so I've now been kind of I guess I, I yeah my sort of whole business acumen and um, relationship building and stuff like that has just it's been incredible I've been so fortunate it's like a degree in itself that's such an interesting idea around you know to meet our goals environmentally we might have to change up how we're acting in other ways and you know wouldn't it be cool if um, the the saying became something like reduce reuse recycle and share mm. yeah there's a there's a um an amazing guy called ryan jennings who um who runs a platform called buy new zealand made and we've had some incredible conversations around you know what is the future of consumption and what's the future of buying and and one of the things we both talked about is you know is the future share new zealand made um, you know, you see businesses now, um, and, and that's some of the kind of exciting stuff we're looking to tap into is, you know, businesses are looking for other ways to engage with customers and, and to build those relationships. And, and often now this isn't going to be through traditional buying. It's sort of introducing models where people can, you know, potentially try before they buy or sort of rent to own. Um, or just getting access to items um, when they need it and return them back to the consumer or back to the producer or manufacturer. So that in itself is an incredibly exciting opportunity um, that we're sort of exploring. Um, but yeah, I think that the future of, of buying is going to be um, you know, something quite different to what it is now or just consumption in general. What advice do you have for people who, who have a great idea and, and, and have a drive and are thinking about taking a leap? 
<laughs> this is a bit of a funny one. I guess talking back to one of my earlier points on how my notes on my phone is just filled with ideas. And for me, this has kind of always been the case. Um, when I was studying down in Dunedin, again, I, I had a business that I set up called Scarfy Repairs, where I'm not sure if you've heard much about um, what happens down in Otago, but generally students tend to break um, everything they look at in the student flat. So for me, I just uh, I renovated student flats at student, uh, student rates. Um, and was able to kind of go through university and travel the world with that. So uh, for me, I guess I've been very fortunate in always having the ideas. And what I what I haven't realized until recently is that for those who do come up with ideas, you're actually in a very small percentage of people. Um, and so you should be very, you know, you should be really proud of yourself and, and happy that you are one of those people if you're sort of listening and think, you know, I always come up with ideas. And I think to actually, um, you know, have the confidence to take that idea and, and move forward with it um, is something that you'll never regret. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, potentially, um, like a lot of ideas, sometimes they just don't go to plan. But what you're going to learn along the way, um, the people you'll meet and that experience is only going to help with idea number two, three, four and five that you ultimately will have. Um, one thing I also have learned is that, you know, initially people see um, a business like ours and they must think, oh, they must have had so much money to get this, you know, to build an app and to have all this branding and this amazing team, stuff like that. But, you know, I'd just come back from traveling, been working for a few months and I mean, we had no money at all. So I was sort of able to build a team uh, based on sweat equity. So like you talked about utilizing value over, I guess, um, cash. Um, and we were, and we we're incredibly bootstrapped, you know, we had 14 months before bringing any capital to the business. Um, so we were running off, you know, truly, truly, um, you know, very, 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 very little. So I think for people who do have an idea, you know, have that confidence that you can actually test, you know, a whole bunch of your assumptions. You can create like a, a prototype or an MVP, you know, being very lean and agile that doesn't cost a huge amount. And you can sort of do it on the side while you've got a full-time job and, you will get to what I would call like a tipping point where you know like this thing has potential, there's merit here, and then you can take the full plunge. So there are ways to kind of take your ideas and really test it without, I guess, exposing yourself to a huge amount of risk. And and my main advice would be you just got to do it. If you've got, if you are an ideas person, you just got to give it a go. And what will success be for you? Uh, you know, you're very early on in the journey in many ways. And, you know, what, what, what do you think, you know, what, what's the success that you're pointing at? Yeah, I mean, success for us is, you know, my major goal is for Mutu to become a household name. You know, people know, you know, it's, you used a great example of Trade Me. So everyone knows if you're looking to buy and sell, you turn to a platform like Trade Me. And I think for us, it's the idea that if you're looking to kind of get access and you don't want to take on ownership, um, you look to a platform like Mutu. So, I mean, if usage can begin to trump possessions and, and access beats ownership, you know, we're all going to be in a better space. Um, I guess the the second part of uh, success for us is just around the education. I think when I was sort of mentioning some of these um, big goals from the Climate Change Commission and, and the Paris Agreement. So for us, I think, um, and I can even use my flatmates as a prime example, you know, a lot of them sort of think, oh, like, what could I do to really make a difference? You know, we talk about these sorts of things quite a lot now in a circle. And, and in reality, a lot of people think that, um, you know, their little impact, whether it's recycling or using, um, you know, ride sharing or taking public transport, whatever it is, that that's not going to do anything. But in reality, you know, every small bit does count. So success for us is just being able to educate people on the benefits um, of the share economy, um, and how, you know, something as simple as borrowing an item as opposed to buying it really does have long-lasting impact. 
Um, so yeah, that's I guess for for us, it's not only becoming you know a household name, but also sort of showing not only your Kiwis, but hopefully one day you know the world that technology has a re- is a really powerful tool to create sort of meaningful and, and long lasting impact. Ah, oh, that's so awesome to hear. Well, thank you for joining us to share the story. That's CEO and founder Toby Skilton of Mutu. Uh, you can check it out all around New Zealand now. Uh, thanks, thanks for sharing the story. I can't wait to see where you take it. Thank you so much for having me on, Simon. It's been an absolute pleasure. Joyce uh, Gilder, uh, thank you very much to Alice Webb-Liddell for producing and the whole spin-off team. And thanks to Callahan for making this happen. Cheers. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.